Well, hello. If you're here, you're about to listen to the 11th episode of the Sub-Zero Coffee Podcast. And that's going to be with Daniela Rodriguez. Now, I just thought I'd make a little introductory uh, audio soundbite before we get in this morning. Now, the podcast that you're about to listen to is actually... Daniela is in Bolivia. She's on the border of the Amazon jungle in Karanavi. So at times there may be dips in audio quality and sort of internet reception. But we're all just going to have to deal with that because she literally joined the podcast from the jungle in remote Bolivia. So hope you really, really enjoy today's podcast. And as always, stay cool. Okay, and welcome to another episode of the Sub-Zero Coffee Podcast. And today we're joined by someone... Very special, someone I was lucky enough to meet two years ago in another part of the world. Uh, today's guest is none other than Daniela Rodriguez. Welcome, Daniela. Oh, yes. There yes. we go. Ah, excellent. Well, um, so for those listening, Daniela is working for AgriCafe, and AgriCafe is a company based in Bolivia, and they've been operating for, I think, how many years now, Daniela, have you been operating? AgriCafe has 33 years. 33 years. And uh, started by Daniela's father, uh, Pedro, and uh, Daniela's brother, uh, Pedro Pablo, also helps operate um, AgriCafe. And um, Bolivian coffee is something that's really special to me and something that the world, unfortunately, almost lost um, a number of years ago because of a number of factors. Um and so, and we'll touch on that a bit later. Um, but first, Daniela, I want to ask you, why did your father, Pedro, start AgriCafe? Um, yeah, my father, um, uh, he, he, he used to work in a bank, in a central bank. But then uh, he had studied accounting. But he worked for, in, the, in the bank for almost five or eight years. But then he decided that he was, it was not his place because he really liked the nature. He, he, he's a person that, like, that can't be sitting in, ju- in a desk, behind a desk and with paperwork. So it's when he decided, okay, I want to do something else. Uh, Los Yungas, where is uh, Amazon here in La Paz, he had a very big... Uh, all his, uh, his, his childhood, he has spent in Los Yungas. So he decided, I want to work in and do something in Los Yungas with the nature, with people. And first he was working with some fruit. Mm-hmm. He used to export banana and apple to Chile. And then he came and then things started to to open and then he he was in the coffee business but during those times there was a, a specialty coffee uh, didn't exist in Bolivia so he he, he was uh, buying coffee from small producers and uh, selling and exporting international and it was commercial coffee so he was working for almost uh, 15 to 16 years with commercial coffee. And then uh, seven, uh, 16 years ago, specialty coffee uh, was introduced here in Bolivia with the help of, the, of many ONGs, uh, the, the American 
and the Japanese uh, ONGs, and they were trying to fight against the coca plantation and showing the producers another alternative that they can grow and plant. So it's when they introduced the specialty coffee. And my father really liked the project and the idea. And together they started to teach the producers how to process and produce a specialty coffee. Uh, uh, at, at commercial coffee here in Bolivia, uh, the, the coffee was, was sold as mote, we call mote, the wet coffee. So what they were doing is that the producers were depulping the coffee and then uh, bringing it to the towns and selling to people or to companies and they used to dry the coffee in La Paz. So the process was not very controlled mm. and Bolivian coffee was known as coffee with surprises because sometimes the coffee could be very good but sometimes the coffee was not very good because of the drying. There was something you said just there that was very interesting, Daniela, and that's about the coca leaf. And for for those uh, listening and, and are wondering what, what we're meaning by that is that coca leaf it can later be um, transformed into narcotics, obviously cocaine, which um, is highly sought after in, in some in some people's lives. But um, coca leaf is a native plant to Bolivia and has a has a very large cultural significance as well. And uh, Daniela, could you explain why growing coca leaf is not good for coffee growers? Uh, first of all, here in Bolivia, uh, it's legal to have a coca plantation, but just half, half of hectare, because uh, cultural, culturally, people chew coca, because as you know, we have three cities that are over 3,600 meters. And when you chew it or you drink as a coca tea, it helps to the altitude sickness. And also for the drivers here uh, that they have to drive during the night or the miners uh, that they have to work in, inside of the mine for eight hours and they don't have, and they can't eat and they need uh, power. So they chew it, the coca. So when people visit Bolivia, uh, they will see a lot of people chewing the, the coca and drinking coca tea. And that is not, it's healthy. And uh, on the other hand, for the producers here, uh, you can, if you plant coca, they can have four harvest for crops per year. Uh, the price is very stable and, the, and they have a, a market. So for, for a producer, it's very it's sustainable to have a coca, plant, uh, coca plantations. That is why many producers uh, plant coca here. Yeah, and the, and the coca grow in the same places, in the same place where coffee is, is grown. I had been so reading- many I had, sorry, Daniel. Sorry. I had been reading that um, in some cases, the coca plant can be, um, it can take a lot of nutrients from the soil, which makes it harder to grow coffee. Is that is there any truth to that? Uh, yes, because once you 
plant uh, coca, the coca absorbs a lot of nutrients that you have to wait many, many years to plant another crop. So if you have plant coca there, it's not very good for, for planting something else. Of course. Now, Daniela, you're, uh, I can see you're in the cupping lab in, back in Karanavi, and we were just talking before we started recording about how, it was, how it's been a little bit difficult lately to, to, to travel from Santa Cruz because of the lockdowns due to coronavirus. Um, it's great to see you there. And um, to paint a picture for everyone listening, the, the geography and or I guess the landscape in Bolivia is very uh, rugged. <laughs> it's, um, there's, the, the, roads are, the roads are hard to drive on. There's lots of mountains, lots of rain. And to be honest, when you when when I went to Bolivia and we flew into La Paz, you, you're sitting at four and a half thousand meters above sea level. To get to the coffee farms, you actually have to drive downhill, which is very very interesting. Yeah, the the landscape that uh, to go here to Caranavi is, is amazing. I have dri- I have driven uh, that road, but every time that I pass. Uh, it it it, uh, it amazed me because of the mountains. You go up to five thousand. First, La Paz is at uh, four thousand meters, uh, but to go to Los Yungas, the coffee region, you have to go up to five thousand meters. Uh, that's the Andes mountain. Sometimes you during the winter, that is the harvest, uh, you will see some snow on the mountains. And after half an hour, you will see completely jungle. So it's, it's super green. The temperature uh, change uh, completely. Mm. And then you arrive to Karanavi. That uh, from Karanavi, you start the Amazon. So it's super humid, uh, uh, a lot of mountains, and yeah. Well, I, 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 lo- I love it and I'll never forget the drive to Karanavi from La Paz because it was night time and um, it was raining a lot and there was, there's rocks sliding down from the hills and I'm, and I'm falling asleep because I'm jet lagged on, on Lucy Ward's shoulder and I think I woke up like 20 times. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, Daniela, but it was, a, it was one hell of, a, hell of a car trip. But um, Karanavi is a special place. And I think Bolivia for coffee drinkers should be a special place because it very near, especially coffee in Bolivia, very near came to extinction. Um, so things like coffee leaf rusts, low coffee prices, um, and people preferring to grow things like coca leaf. Um, it saw Bolivian coffee production almost disappear. And if not for people like yourself, um, Daniela and, and your family, it, it may well have disappeared. Um, to put into perspective for people, I think Bolivia produces about, is it 30,000 bags at the moment of coffee that you're producing as a country right now, Daniela? Uh, no, it's, it's less now. It's uh, 21,000 21, bags. Well, 21,000 bags. All right, so to put that in perspective, a farm in Brazil could easily some of the bigger farms in Brazil could easily produce that amount of the one farm. So it's, it's, um, it, it, it to, so you can see that it, by numbers there, it's very, the production is, is declining, but, um, 
the coffee quality isn't. The coffee quality keeps getting better and better. And um, I'm pleased to sort of say to you, Daniela, that each harvest that I drink, every, all the coffees just keep getting even more delicious. Uh, yes. If you can, uh, I can share some pictures. Yes, please go. Uh, I have this graph. Yep. How the total bags of coffee has been decreased. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, we have exported 22,000 bags. All right. So, so, so you've. Super. So, for those listening at home and cannot see this, uh, Daniela's got a graph. And in 1997, it looks like there's 120,000 bags being produced. And then we fast forward to 2019. So, that's uh, 20, 22, 21, 22 years. Um, and Bolivian coffee production is now at 21,000. 900 bags per year so it's declined by 80 percent uh even more um which is which is awful um and just goes to show coffee commodity prices and 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 the rust and all the things that the other factors that go into it that can make coffee production so difficult um but do you think it will grow in the future daniela uh, we're working that uh, because in 2012 we were so scared. Uh, the company, as you can see, in 2015, we were, we were exporting 50, 55,000 bags, and suddenly the coffee dropped to 35,000 bags. Mm. So we decided because uh, as a company, uh, my father used to work with more than 5,000 producers, and he used to source the cherry at parchment, process the coffee and export. But in 2012, from working from 5,000 producers, they dropped to 500 producers. Wow. So it was a shock for us. And then it's when we decided as a family that we have to do something because we knew that the government will be... There is not like a very powerful uh, coffee federation here in Bolivia and coffee is not a, a product that is very important for for the government for for, for the for, yeah for the government so we decided okay let's let's do something because Bolivian coffee could be disappeared and we started with our own farms that are Fincalo Rodriguez we have 12 farms, eight farms in here in Caranavi and another five farms in Samipata. And we have a, a project called Sol de la Mañana. The idea of this project is work together with a, 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 with a, with a group of producers and support and teach them how to have a sustainable farm. At the beginning, we were working with 10 producers because the idea was that they can trust our model, that they could see some results, and then the, the things will flow. And after the first year, uh, they saw very good results. They saw that the plants were super healthy. Uh, they saw our farms, and then they decided, okay, we want to, they were, other producers that wanted to join the program. And now we are working with 100 producers. And it was, 
it was a it's a very successful program because in 2014 2012 the producers were producing two to four bags per hectare and now with the pro uh, program so de la mañana they are producing producing at least 25 bags per hectare Mm-hmm. So they have increased 200% of the production, and that is super good for producers because now they, they they see a future and they want to continue in the coffee in the coffee business. So that's why in the last uh, four years that our farms and the farms of Sol de la Mañana has been producing, you will see that the chart is more uh, like stable it hasn't been dropped more yeah and that's probably i think that's something uh, interesting there to, to maybe mention is that i remember you telling me daniela when when i was in Karanavi that some some families they don't want to they don't want to prune their trees because they they think of the the cherries in their trees like they're little babies and so um i remember you telling me about one lady who her sons had started um, getting involved in the coffee, and when when you managed to convince them that they needed to prune the trees, she said she couldn't watch. And and the pruning has a uh, has a has a good long term impact on a tree's health. So could you explain some of that, Daniela? Uh, yes, and actually, uh, for, uh, of this program, so de la mañana, that is a eight year program. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, we start with the nursery. And this is the year that they need to prune their coffee plantations. And for a producer, it's a very difficult uh, choice because you see your your coffee tree is super healthy and with good production. And if you prune, you will not have the next year harvest. So you lose one year of harvest. And that means that you will not have an income. So now what we are working with the producers is that they will prune one line and the other line, they will keep it. So they will compensate. And at the end, if you prune the, the coffee tree, uh, the next year you will have double coffee. But if you don't prune in the next two, in the next two years, you will have less less coffee but when you have to do it it's a a very difficult choice for for a coffee producer but you need it because it's super healthy for the plants and that's a that's an interesting um point you raised about the solar manana program because it you said it was an eight-year program and that's some of the for for anyone listening to this that might be new to the coffee industry you you have to have very strategic goals at origin for achieving results and um obviously having an eight-year plan and and seeing it through all the way to the end um takes a lot of patience but um you know it could be trialing new uh varieties so uh, at some of the rodriguez family farms there there are many different varieties that you're testing to see if it'll grow well in that environment and it takes years to see results which um which which is which is incredibly um, it takes a lot of patience and my hats off to you Daniela you're doing a great thing congratulations thank you 
Yeah, the idea of this program is uh, uh, to support here the Bolivian production. We don't want that, uh, we want that people from around the world can consume Bolivian coffee. Uh, so this is, the, that's the idea of this program and also to, to have an impact in the community that we are working with and that we have always been working, that is Caranavis. So that's why we, we believe that we had a certain responsibility with all these people to have an impact in their economies and also in the, in the Bolivia economy. And uh, here there was a very big misunderstanding for, uh, for the producers because uh, five years ago, 100 of all the coffee production was produced or sold as organic. Mm -hmm. But they believe that producing organic was, you don't, do, you don't have to do anything. Just wait for the harvest, just pick the cherries and that's it. But that's impossible to have a sustainable, a sustainable farm for any, for any product that you, that you produce. So that's why many of the producers were abandoning their coffee plantations and looking for something else like coca or moving to the city or different things. And that's why uh, was the reason that Bolivian production was decreasing. And uh, another thing was because they were not managing the farm, uh, the, the leaf, la roya, that we call it in Spanish, was killing the coffee plantations. And uh, they were, those plants were producing just a few beans, and mm -hmm. for a coffee producer, it's not sustainable to 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 live from from coffee. But now, with this program and with this uh, with all these results that we that, that they have in the farms, uh, it's super nice because we see that young generation, the the children of the producers, are coming back from the city and helping their parents and uh, planting coffee and that is super good for 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 us and also for bolivia then that young people are coming back to 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 the farms because most of the young people prefer to go to the city and to look for something else but now they they see a future having a, a coffee plantation uh, they feel motivated with this program and that is that is super 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 good yeah and it's um it's the 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 nature of um of growing up in bolivia well Caranavi is a special little town um it's very it's very um unique in the sense that i think you was explaining to me when we were there daniela that they kicked the police out of the town was that was that correct well, when in Karanavi, they 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 don't have police anymore, so they they yes yeah yeah. Karanavi is a very <laughs> different town. We can mm. call it uh, here. The it was like a community justice 
or for example, to, to buy land in Karanavi is not easy. Uh, the people from the community has to accept you. And once they accept you, you can buy the land. And every month you have to attend to the, to the meetings and everybody, everybody has a responsibility. And if something, and suddenly or one day, they can kick out from the colony. And it's not that, oh, I have the farm, I have the land, I bought the land. No, you just have to leave it. So you have to, to lead with the community. And here in Karanavi, the town is a, it's completely separate with the city of La Paz. It has uh, its own rules. Uh, for example, when you buy the cars, and you have seen that they don't have plates, so they are illegal. And it's in the only place in Bolivia that cars can drive without plates because they are not police and there is not like rules mm. here. Yeah, I, I, I like that story because I think you were telling me the way that came about was someone was arrested and, and the town got really upset about it and so they decided to kick the police out. Um, was, is that true? Yeah. Yeah, that's why we, there is no police at all here. And then, um, and then uh, when, when, you ha- when you drive up to your farms that, that you have purchased, you have to pay to go up there as well. There's someone, that, there's someone with a gate at the bottom of the mountain and they, they make you pay before you go up, which is very fascinating. And, and it just sort of um, reinforces what Danielle has been explaining, that Karanavi is a very special little town and the community, um, they really work together. And um, whatever the community says is whatever goes, I guess. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's... So have you got some more slides to show us here of the Sol de Manana program? Yeah, this is a, a new farm uh, that is with the is in is with is it's part of the project. Is Finca uh, from Julio Julio Pai. It's a it's a super super nice. And Los Yungas is an amazing place. It's part of the Amazon. It's the Amazon starting Caranavi, and it's full of mountains. Is super green. The soils are super healthy, are super rich, and you, you everything is wild because uh, not many people live there. So it's jungle, completely jungle, and the the altitudes are above uh, one thousand five hundred meters, and it can go to two thousand one hundred meters. Wow, and we are latitude 15 16 so it's very south from the equator so it make it, it make it higher the, the altitudes that we have and super special and here the harvest start in it start June and finish in October is a harvest it's a very long harvest and it's because of the altitude latitude and also we have very extreme uh, temperatures during the day, the, day, the day and the night. During the night, it can, in Samaipata here in, in Karanavi, it can go from 10 degrees. And during 
the day it can go to 25 to 30 degrees. So that is super good for the cherries because the cherries mature slowly and can get more sugar uh, in the in the inside of the, the skin. And ah, maybe you know that uh, last year we won the uh, the prize of best sustainable business model. Excellent! Congratulations. And it's because of this program of So de la Mañana that in just uh, four or five years it has a lot. It has had a lot of impact in the in the Bolivia coffee industry and also in the people of these of these 100 producers that are working directly with us. But this it also have an, an extra impact because even the producers that are not working directly with us, but they are the neighbors of the producers that we are working, are changing the things that they that they used to do. So that is super good because at least they are doing something in the farms. Because what has happened in Bolivia is that uh, all the plantations were organic, they were grow wild, uh, they, they had the rust. And when, you had, when, you, when we used to visit the producers, we told them like, okay, you have rust. And they didn't know what was rust. They were saying like, no, 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 it will disappear. It's part of the nature. But at the end, they didn't get the crop that they were expecting and all the trees were dying. So it, it was a lack of uh, education. And I think as well, Daniela, it's not everyone in Karanavi has an iPhone where they can Google, you know, how to, how to grow um, my coffee better or something like that. And um, that probably goes to show just how impactful your work has been. So over this eight-year plan that you've developed, people are producing far better coffee rather than just relying on sort of things that they thought were true in the past. And um, it's, it's, the, the results are interesting and, um, you know, it brings a massive smile to my face, Daniela, because I can go around to some shops in Melbourne, Australia, where I live, and see coffee produced in the Sol de Manana program. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's super, super nice. And the producers, yeah, hope you can come again to Bolivia and we can visit the producers and they feel so motivated and so happy and so proud to show the farms because as, as you have seen, they have, a, they have beautiful farms. Here you can see a picture. They are super tight and the coffee trees look super healthy. The, the cherries that they are delivering are amazing. The, the sorting, the quality, is it has increased and improved in the last three, four years a lot. And now uh, in the Sol de la Mañana, the producers have, uh, have big volumes. So now all the producers have, can, we can do single origin lots from for example, Carmelita, that is in that is this producer from Sol de la Mañana that I think that you have seen in Melbourne. Yes, Market la, Market Lane and uh, the Melbourne Coffee Merchants buy it every year. It's um, delicious coffee. Yeah. So 
it's it's a super nice uh, super nice program well i think daniela it's probably um for, for anyone that um listening up until now we'll just we'll just uh summarize again that um obviously daniela and her family own a company called agricafe and they buy coffee from from producers and processors process it and export it overseas and what have you um and then uh, as well as that they also have their own farms which are as daniela mentioned the form the finca los rodriguez which is i think you have 11 farms is it now daniela uh, yes, we have twelve farms. Twelve farms, and so some of the, some of those are the most exquisite farms that I've ever tasted coffee from. And then there's the Sol de Manana program, which is helping and empowering producers to produce better coffee, which is really improving their lives because the more coffee they produce and the higher quality it is, the more money they can make to support their family. And Bolivia is um, it, it's. Compared to, to a country like I'm living in Australia, and this isn't to trivialise it or um, degrade anyone, anyone in any way, but the, 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 the income is a lot lower um, per capita, I guess you could say. Economically, Bolivia um, struggles to progress, and especially now with, with um, COVID-19. But I'll ask you about that in a moment, Daniela, but I wanted to ask you, I miss. I, I'd love to come back to Finca Las Alacitas, and that's that's probably the, my favorite coffee farm ever. Um, how do you feel when people use your coffee in competition? So, like you know, you've got people like Mickey Suzuki who came second in the world using your coffee. How does that make you feel as a producer? And that's your farm. You were, you've worked incredibly hard. How do you feel about that being on the world stage? Yeah, for us, it's like a big honor. We are like super, super happy when somebody says that they will compete with our with our coffee, because it's when you feel that that what you are doing is is appreciated with somebody else that believe that your things that what you are doing is is good. So for us, is we are super, super excited. It makes us to commit more. With the with the work that we that we are doing, and uh, yeah, it's it's a very special like. Uh, it's it's incredibly it's incredibly challenging to grow coffee in 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 Bolivia as as we've sort of elaborated on, but um, the environment the environment that you grow coffee in can make it a bit of a challenge as well sometimes because the rainfall can be so heavy during the harvest, right? Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of uh, variables that you have that you have to that is like there are variables that you can control, but there are but the, the majority are variables that you can't control, like the weather. Uh, Bolivia uh, is a country that uh, is that you can't predict. That so one day they can close the roads, and you need to move the, the container or you need to move uh, things, and it's difficult to plan. So in Bolivia you have to have plan B, but at the same time you have to have plan C. Mm. So you have to work with a lot of uh, challenge and with a lot of things that sometimes are difficult to to control. 
So that's why it make it difficult to, to produce coffee. And um, for example, for Bolivia, there are not uh, all the things like uh, all the fertilizers, the equipment for coffee, because uh, coffee is not a very big uh, product here in Bolivia. So everything that what we need, we have to import. We can't find in the in, in the local market. It's not available. Mm. So that's why we make our costs higher. Uh, we don't have port, so it's it's difficult to import things. The costs are higher, and we the roads here in Bolivia, as you have mentioned before, the death road. Yeah. <laughs> are super complicated because, uh, for example, for the road of, to Karanavi, they have been building that road for 10 years and they have, haven't finished yet. And for us and for me, it's like, I don't think that they will finish <laughs> never. <laughs> but you have to deal with that kind of things that sometimes the the weather is gonna be bad for the road and you you can get stuck in the middle of the road and there is nothing that you can do so just wait and have a lot of patience so that is that are many things that that is happening here during, during, the, during the harvest and um, behind Agri Cafe behind our company there are more than 500 people that work with us and everybody is a, is a work. Everybody has different necessities, different problems, and you have to deal with, with the different things. For us, our main cha uh, challenge is logistics mm -hmm. because uh, we have four facilities. Uh, we work in two different cities. We work in La Paz. In La Paz, we have the dry meal that is one of the, I think it's the highest dry meal in the world. Probably four and a half, four thousand meters above sea level or something. It'd be pretty high. Yeah, 3,600 meters. Wow. Where we sort all the coffee and we export. Then we have our farms in Caranavi that is four hours away from the city. And the Karanavi is a small town that you will not find everything. It's super tiny, so you have to bring all the equipment and all the facilities from the city of La Paz. The road is not uh, it's not super good. Mm. Uh, there is some schedule to get in and out. For example, they open the road from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. So you have to, to calculate that. And then we work in the city of Santa Cruz, that is 1,000 kilometers away from La Paz. And Santa Cruz, uh, the culture, the people is completely different. Uh, in the city, we have a, a coffee lab, because we also roast coffee for the local market in Bolivia. Mm -hmm. And we have farms that are three hours away from the city of Santa Cruz 
So we have four facilities and we have to deliver all the, the equipment and all the, the things that, they, that every place needs. So we have to be very careful with the logistics. Yeah, well, I'm just wondering how you build things in Karanavi because, of course, driving along that death road with a truck full of, 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 of equipment like coffee processing or dryers or something like that, it's, uh, I don't know how you've done it. I wouldn't have the patience. <laughs> My hat's off too. That's incredible. Um, yeah, it, 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 it looks very challenging and, and the roads are very, very treacherous and um, the, the main one travelled, of course, is, is called the death road and um, I'm sure you can use your imagination as to why as to why that is. But, um, Daniela, let's talk about what's been going on recently because I think it's been a pretty tough year for, for, for you in Bolivia because, of, of course, in November you had the, um, the president, Evo Morales, resigning, um, which, which caused a lot of anger in the community and a lot of people were very upset. And now there's coronavirus. So, as you mentioned before, you've been in, in lockdown um, and I was, I was watching Steve Leighton's um, interview with you just before just before we started this and um, in that you were discussing how you were stuck in Santa Cruz so um, what's what's life been like for you and, and what are you dealing with at the moment? Yeah in the last uh, six months or seven months uh, it was super hard for all the Bolivian people in November, we have this political pro- problem because, as you know, we had a president that has been staying in power for 13 years. And he didn't want to leave, but all the people, uh, want, we wanted a change. We wanted a, a, somebody else. But he was uh, trying to stay in power. He was changing our votes, saying that he won. Uh, so in November, all the, Bolivia, uh, all the Bolivian people, we decided to, to go out and ask him to leave and to, to have uh, again elections, but clean elections not manipulate elections. And in Santa Cruz, uh, we were uh, stopped. The city was completely stopped for 21 days, asking him to leave in a very powerful uh, way. We were uh, on the street uh, asking and uh, not going, all the, everything was, closed all the business, uh, yeah. And in La Paz, people were going to the, because La Paz is not the capital. The capital is Sucre, another city, but the government uh, is in La Paz. So people in La Paz were going, they were doing a lot of a strike and asking him to, to leave. So it was a very difficult month for all the Bolivians and also for us because in November we is the time where we ship the coffees and our driving was closed for a month and then in March started here the quarantine 
for the, the with the, for the for the for the virus and in Santa Cruz that is the city that has more cases uh, they are still in quarantine uh, the quarantine here in Bolivia started the the fifth of March mm -hmm. and uh, it's more than 100 days but here the quarantine is super super strict uh, nobody is allowed to go out uh, you can just go out once per week depends on the last number of your ID and you can go just to buy essentials like food and to go to the pharmacy all the super all the stores business factories are closed nobody can drive and if somebody is out and it's not the day that they can go out they have to pay a fine of two hundred dollars and then go to jail for eight hours oh so it's, it's hard and it's it's even harder because 70 percent or maybe more of the economy here lives day by day they are not formal companies so it's hard to ask people to stop and stay at home uh, santa cruz is now in is still in quarantine la paz is is working by a dynamic quarantine they can go to work but uh, they have to return and everybody has to be at home at 6 p.m and uh, today because the cases in la paz have increased today they have announced that la paz will return to a very strict quarantine so it's, it's, it's super hard because the companies that are legal and that they have to pay all the employees and everybody and the government is not supporting the, the companies at all uh, the government says that they uh, that the companies cannot uh, fire people during those times so it's hard because in the last in the in less than four months the companies have been stopped for four months now so it's hard to resist for all the entrepreneurs and for all the business and uh, we all my family would be in santa cruz uh, closed and locked down for 100 days during those days we could visit the farms in santa cruz just two times and there were not uh, flights internal flights and all the roads were completely closed so finally uh, two days ago there were a flight to la paz and we took the flight it took almost it's from La, from Santa Cruz to La Paz is just 50 minutes flight, mm -hmm. but it took us six hours to move from Santa Cruz to La Paz. Wow! And it was like yeah, it was a chaos. But um, yesterday we dropped finally to Caranavi, and now we are in Caranavi. We are super happy to be here because the harvest has has already started here in Caranavi and there are many things that we have to, to manage here. The pickers, uh, the quality and our team 
we have to support them. And uh, for us, was when we arrived here in Karanavi, uh, it was completely different because in La Paz, everybody was using the mask and respecting the distance be between the people and doing the lines with the distance. And when we arrived here in Karanavi, nobody was using the masks. And when they saw us with the, with the masks, they were like, what are you doing? Yeah. We were like, what are you, don't, why are you, why are you using the mask? And they were saying that they don't, uh, they don't think that the virus exists. Wow. They believe that the, the virus was, is, a, is a political thing of this new president that we have, uh, that uh, she's, she's manipulating the, 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 the media, talking about this virus, but it's not true. So they are saying, like, we don't need the, the, the mask. We are fine. Well, that just goes to show that the Karanavi spirit won't be broken. They're very independent. Yeah, it's super independent. It's a different reality that they are living here. And for us, it's also hard to explain them that the virus exists, that they have to see the international media, what the other countries are, what is happening in the other countries and that they have to take care of, of themselves. And the thing is that in Karinavi, there is just one hospital that doesn't have any ventilator at all, mm. that doesn't have the essential equipment even for accidents. And that, that's super scary for us because we know that if somebody has a virus, we cannot trust to go to a hospital. Well, is that, that is our would it be true to say, Daniela, that most people in the township of Karanavi, and I think it's about 15,000 people, they don't have access to the internet, so they probably wouldn't be able to check these things? Yes. Yeah. The so. internet yeah, is, is, is super expensive, and, is, uh, and people that live in the farms, uh, they don't have even electricity. Yeah, and what is happening is that the, the Evo Morales, the our ex-president, he's manipulating because he wants to return to the country and still still be the still government. So he's he's paying the radio, and most of the people in the in the farms are listening to radio. And he's speaking and explaining that the virus is not, it's not true. And he's yeah, no. talking and talking and talking and people believe what the radio is saying, not what the, the TV or CNN or. Yeah. Well, I guess that's going to be, I mean, to put it lightly and I hate to, seem like I'm trivializing this in any way, but I guess that will be another one of the challenges that you'll have to deal with as a business and uh, moving forward, moving your coffee, I guess that could make it hard. But I did want to ask you, Daniela, what's, what's, what's on for the future with Agri, Agri Cafe and Los Rodriguez? What, 
what do you have coming? And I, I saw on your video with Stephen, you've got some new processing um, that you're going to experiment and try with this year, which I'm very excited to try. And I hope I get some of the first batches. I get to try some. Uh, yes, we have, uh, as you know, we like to innovate. We are constantly trying to innovate ways of drying, fermentation, and even in the farms, way of trying to, to see how to use, for example, less fertilizers and try to apply new things. And in the terms of a uh, process, uh, we are, uh, for us in the last five years, we've been uh, working a lot on drying. We have different uh, ways of drying the coffee because we've seen that uh, the, the drying can increase two or three points. And also it's super important for the roasters to have a coffee that will not age fast. And the aging is, is drying. Mm. And uh, regarding the process, uh, we have a variety garden developing 60 different varieties. And uh, what we are doing is trying to, to find the best fermentation, the best process for each variety. And this year we have, uh, we are, we have, um, we, we, we will include uh, some tanks. You can see here in the, in the video. Yes, it's a great big stainless steel tank. Yeah, these tanks. We are working with two uh, enologists. It's the second year, and they are in charge of the of our wet meal. So they are they have a lot of experience with the fermentation, also with how to manage because we believe that wine and coffee have many similarities, similarities yeah, have many things that are si similar. So uh, we, are, we are working based on their knowledge. How can we apply their knowledge in the, in the coffee, in the fermentation? So together with them, we have a design, a specific tank that is gonna be for, for coffee, for fermentation. And last year we have done many trials for all the varieties and the different process. And this year our idea is the best lots that we have with the best results of last year, we will do bigger lots. Excellent. So more people, more people can try because for us it's not a, Producing a coffee that is gonna be just five kilos and it's gonna be amazing is not our goal. We want to to have bigger lots that more people can can try the these uh, slots. That's believe me, you. believe me, Daniela. That's what we want too. <laughs> we we very much want to try this coffee. It looks absolutely sensational and, and pairing what looks like it could be, you know, some sort of anaerobic or um, other fermentation that you're planning with Boliv Bolivian coffee and 
the Bolivian Tewai. I, I just can't, cannot wait. The coffee was outstanding without these sorts of things. And I mean, this is just an, a new dimension that you'll add, which is fantastic. Yeah, but uh, we as a family, uh, what we want to do with Bolivian coffees is uh, we have amazing terroir. We have uh, the temperature, the altitude, the latitude, the location are amazing. And we have the genetics. We have uh, very good varieties that has the, has the potential to, to, to produce good coffees. So what we want to do with the, with the process is not makeup, we call it like, we want to, to develop the flavors that are inside of the genetics and the environment, environmental conditions has. So we want to develop those flavors. We don't want in the process, with the process, add extra flavors because that will be just adding a new flavor with the process. So you're trying to accentuate the inherent qualities of the coffee in itself. So make the bring out the best of the coffee rather than try and transform it. Yeah, we don't want to transform. We don't want to like feel like when you, for example, we call when you take a picture and you you, you can use a filter and. Yeah. Or, or, or like, when, like when you buy a coffee and you put a sugar in it. You don't want to do that. Yeah, no, no. And what we want to, because Bolivian coffees are coffees that are complex, are elegant, have the flavors, have the, are balanced. We want to continue having that because for us, elegance of uh, authentic flavors we want to keep it that. For us, that is super, super important. Because sometimes uh, what is, it's, it's a little bit confusing in the market that people believe that uh, coffees that have different flavors are good, but those flavors can just are adding by the process. And that is that is, that can be very it's 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 easy to do it, mm. but for us it's not like it's not part of the authentic authenticity of the cherries yes. of the fruit expression. We want to show the expression of the cherries. Well, I think that's that's a good way to approach it because obviously Bolivian coffee is quite rare compared to a lot of. Um, compared to a lot of countries and if you go to a coffee shop it's not you don't see Bolivian coffee as often as you see Ethiopian Colombian or Brazilian so um you know I, I think you're taking a uh, the the correct approach the correct approach with that Daniela and um I want to I, I want to ask you because we, we don't have much more time we're, we're going we, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer but if if someone is listening like a coffee roaster or a green bean buyer or you know, someone who purchases large volumes of coffee. How can how can how can we all help? Have you have you got? Do you think you'll do you think you'll have trouble selling your coffee this year? You you don't usually have have much trouble. Usually, you sell it all in advance, don't you? So, um, is there much for sale? Can can people get access to this? <laughs> uh, 
yes, uh, of course. Uh, but uh, as, as you know, the Bolivian production is very limited mm -hmm. and uh, there is not much. So usually what, how we work is based on orders in advance of what they, what they like. And uh, based on that, we can prepare uh, the harvest and plan ahead what we will receive from all the cherries and from all the producers that we will that we will get. So most of our clients on the, or the people that we've been working for many years, they make like a wish list or wish order. Uh, they send that in April, uh, in June, and based on the orders, we we plan the, the harvest. Well, if, if, if anyone's out there thinking of making a wish list, um, you're probably too late for this year, but get get in line because um, there's all this coffee that you're talking about producing, Daniela, I really want to try and I'm so excited for. And um, I have an obsession with Bolivian coffee, as you know, and um, it's just, it's, it's, it's so good to speak to you today, Daniela, and so good to hear that despite that you're having many, many difficulties at the moment, that you're still going and, and you people will, will will in some way or at some point get their coffee. It's 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 outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Now we are here in Karanavi, and uh, it's it's a difficult time, but uh, we will do all our best what we that we can to to continue with the with the harvest as smooth as we can, and yeah, taking care for us taking care of the people is super important. So we are working on that in the giving all the facilities and all the equipment to all the people that we work with so they can care for themselves. Well, Daniela, that's outstanding work. And I'm, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up now. And um, I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on to the podcast today. And it's great to see your face again through the computer screen here and, and talk to you and and hopefully um, more people through listening to this can have a better appreciation for Bolivian coffee because if, if you've got it and it, it, and it costs a little, if you can see it and it costs a little bit extra, pay the money because it is, it's, it's absolutely worth it. And yeah, so once again, thank you so much for coming on, Daniela. No, thank you to you. Thank you for inviting me to, to talk and to, to explain all everything what we are doing. And uh, yeah, it was super, super nice to see you and you have to come back to Bolivia. Well, I probably will. And hopefully one day I can, I can come. You, you made a promise to me, Daniela, that if I, if I use uh, Bolivian coffee, your coffee, and win the World Barista Championship one day, I get to stay at the house on Finca Las Elisinas. And I plan on hopefully one day honouring that commitment because I want to stay in that house. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, you have to. And yeah, they, the house is waiting for you. Oh. So there is a picture. Oh yes. So if, for anyone who watches the video on YouTube when we upload this, there is a picture. And I was lucky enough to have a cup of some geisha among all those geisha trees a few years ago. So cannot wait to come back. But okay. th thank you, thank you so much again, Daniela. No, thank you to you. So have a good day. Yes, absolutely. I will. And that's it for today, folks. Thank you for um, enduring the rather abrupt ending that we just had. This podcast was recorded on Zoom and 
I'm a bit of a neophyte when it comes to recording things on Zoom. So glad you listened and um, I hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day. Stay cool.